We really have this down. I know. We're getting it down packed. I will say, though, pat, that in not loss. <laughs> oh, what? what? Yeah, you said down packed. Like you pat yeah. a bag. No, it's down pat. Like pat a back. What? Yeah. What? Look up Why the is phrase. it pat? Why is it down pat and not down pat? Now we have to pause for existential reasons. <laughs> what is the world? Oh, see, it's down. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Is it? <laughs> wait. Okay. Because when you look up down pat or down packed, they're like, the, it's literally a question. Is it one or the other? And it says down pat, like pat a back. But why? Where does that come from? Why is it? We got it down pat. Oh, is it because you like, I don't know, pat somebody on the back? Maybe pat was a person. Like, we've got it down pat. And then in that little village, it just became super popular because they were making fun of that. They were making fun of that one guy who said that. And then it was kind of like that ironic thing when you make fun of somebody for saying something and then you say it. You mean like, um, whack. Yeah. That phase yeah. that I went through for a while. Or um, I want you to know I said oof for a second. Oof! That's my favorite phrase. <laughs> Big I oof. know it is. It's not it even a phrase, nuts. it's a word. Wow. Oof, whatever. Same difference. Same difference. How was your birthday? Uh, it was good. Got free Dutch bros. Hell yeah. Duncan. Hell yeah. Played Harvest Moon. Hell yeah. And went and saw a movie. Went and saw Cruella. Hell yeah. Nice. You didn't have to work? No. Good. No. Birthday landed on my day off, so that's fun. We also played Pandemic, which I'd never played before. (laughs) That That is a rough... It was rough. Like, I played, like, the the app game, but getting all of that onto the board, like, it was rough. There's a lot of teamwork involved. (laughs) Ha! By the way, we forgot to wish everybody a happy 4th of July, so happy belated 4th of July. We're not good about holidays. Not at all. Happy belated 4th of July. (laughs) Yeah. And I still have to mail out a Patreon package. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to do it on Thursday. Um, Just so everybody knows, normally I try the first Thursday of every month to do the Patreon tarot card pulls. I'm going to be doing it the second Thursday this month. This Thursday is my husband's birthday, Chris's birthday. He's going to be the big 3-3. And we're actually venturing out of the house because he needs to buy like stuff for himself Ooh, he's venturing out of the house it's because his own free will buy him clothing yes kind of it's because i refuse to buy him clothing or shoes if he's not there fair yeah so he's gonna be venturing out of the house and then we have a dinner with his uh his dad and his dad's girlfriend so we are gonna be out of the house a lot that day and i'm gonna actually send over the little the uh patreon patrick package that i have oh well that is very exciting how is the week in Liz's world? Week in Liz's world was great. Not much has really been happening. They finally reopened the state. Like all the trails and shit are open again. That's good. So I can stop listening to fucking tourists complain that they <laughs> can't set our state further on fire. That's what you get all- for living in a tourist area. I know. Well, what's driving me nuts is they're like, they just have it shut down for 4th of July. And I'm all, mm-hmm. Yes. And <laughs> your point is? That's okay. People were setting fireworks off pretty much in front of my fucking apartment. I heard that that was happening like everywhere because 
I guess Cottonwood was like one of the only places that did fireworks. And so mm-hmm. people threw fits and did them in their hotel parking lots and in their apartment complexes. Yep. That like, sounds so correct. People are such douchebags. Yeah, they are big douchebags. I fucking hate people. Well, did except for the people that listen too? to this podcast. Um, no, actually, it wasn't too, too bad, late-wise. And my dogs Good. were fine, to be honest. We live in the hood, so okay. they're used to all sorts of noises. Yeah. I was not. I was probably more shaken up than my dogs, because I could fucking hear it right <laughs> outside of my window, and it was scaring the shit out of me. I'm like, please don't light anything on fire. Please don't light anything on fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then That's last terrifying. week, I helped save my neighbor's mom's life, so that was interesting. <gasps> what? How did you? I'm sorry. What? So I was walking out about to take Umbersill on his evening walk and my neighbor to my right runs out of my neighbor to my left's house and is like, Ali, come quick. Like, we we need help. We need to get her out of the chair. And so I, of course, ran back in the house, dropped Umbersill, ran back to their house and came in. And her mom was, um, I don't know what was going on, but she was like not breathing or anything. So I had to help move her out of the chair. I mean, that's all I did. I didn't really, I didn't really do anything i just helped move her (laughs) and get her on her side until the paramedics arrived but Mm -hmm. one of our other neighbors was like i helped i heard you helped save someone's life the other day and i was like oh no not really i just helped move her i put her on the floor yeah on the ground (laughs) (laughs) well well then like the paramedics got there and like i got trapped in the back of the house because like i couldn't get by oh no and so I just had to wait there. Yeah. I know. Like, Somebody I... was like, you should have crawled over her body. By here. I'm actually not involved. I'm actually not involved. So I'm yeah, I wanted to so here. bad. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so I had to wait there. But she's okay now. Thank goodness. I'm glad that she's all right. It would have sucked if good. she wasn't. I thought I was going to see good. somebody die in front of me. <sighs> what an interesting wow. place I live. Well, congratulations on being a hero. I'm not. I'm really not. Except to animals. <laughs> I'm a hero to animals. That's right. Fuck people. Also, I love my job. Yeah. No, seriously, I've come home from work almost every day in a really good mood because I love my new position so much. Yay. That's such a good thing. Yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. So, yeah, it's going really good so far. And, like, you know what? So so we have color levels for our dogs. Red, green, yellow, you know. Mm-hmm. And green obviously being base, yellow being a little bit harder to handle, and red being, like, having moderate to severe behavior problems where experienced staff are still capable of handling and then of course we have black which is behavior only and we have a couple of black but one of the first of all one of the black dogs we have right now he is this little like minpin looking dude chihuahua minpin something like that chihuahua minpin i don't know what he is but he's kind of cute and he's got like this he's got like an underbite kind of he's really cute he's really sweet well, he's not really sweet. He's kind of feral. And he really just doesn't... He doesn't, like, attack. He doesn't attack. He's just not cuddly. But I got him to take treats out of my hand for the first time the other day. Aww. Yeah. How sweet. And then... Well, and then there... We have another dog who, um... She... She accidentally bit a staff member. Like, and it wasn't like she bit bit, but it was kind of like the time I got bit where she was overstimulated and she was going after, like, a hose... Mm -hmm. And she just accidentally got his hand. It wasn't a severe, like, he didn't 
take a crazy injury off of it. It was just minor. She was on bike quarantine and moved to a level black from a level yellow because that's how we have to do things. It happens, you know. We obviously try to avoid it happening, but it happens. And so I was talking to my manager and one of the other behavior team members, and I was like, what color is she moving back to after bike quarantine? And they were like, oh, she'll move back to a yellow, whatever color she was. And I was like, no, she needs to be a red. Like, she's she's pretty mm-hmm. woo. And because she's just got a lot of impulse control. It's just like a, a little, it, it's like a, a puppy in a full-grown dog's body. Oh. Yeah. So, and she's big. She's probably Umbrasil size. Damn. So she's a big fucking dog. Mm-hmm. And without question, without like justification needed, they were just like, okay, yeah, well, we're going to her. We can make her run. And, wow. And you know, my last job, my last job, I had to get like 20 people to verify the things that I were saying for some reason. I don't know why I've never been like, I've never considered myself to be a, like a massive exaggerator or a, a big fucking liar. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I considered myself to be, to have like a decent amount of integrity and um, to have like my teammates just be like, okay. Yeah. Well, we reevaluate. That I, is it so was nice. nice. It was nice. That is very cool. You get it. You know, you know what I've been through with workplaces in the past couple of years. Yes. Yes. That is very cool. Yeah. So that was cool. Bravo to Heidi's Village. Hell yeah. Well, if there's not any further interesting news. I got bacon. That's interesting news. I'm very proud of you. I have I have chips. <laughs> Let's dive into this episode. Two seconds. I got finished chewing. Hi, guys. I'm Liz. And I'm Allie. And welcome to That Shit Is Fucked. AKA TSIF Podcast. If it's weird, spooky, creepy, or just fucked up, we're going to talk about it. So if you're into the fucked up shit like we are, strap on in and we'll take you for a ride. Buckle up, motherfuckers. Yes. I like the dance moves that you were yes. doing over there. Thank you. You're welcome. This week, we are diving back into our West Memphis 3 case. Part 3... I'm sorry, is this not part... This is part four. No, this is part three. This is part four. No, it's not. I feel like we're both, like, looking up Anchor right now. Yep. That's 100% what's happening. Well, you can go to Anchor. I'm going to Spotify. Part two. Part two. Part two. I think you're thinking because it's West Memphis 3. Because when I first looked at the title, I was like, oh, fuck, she was right. And I missed something. But, no, it's part two. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You literally do the editing for this podcast, Liz. You mm-hmm. know that it's part two. You, your mind knows that, and it's fighting against itself right now for the it really, it incorrect really knowledge you were trying <laughs> to feed it. It really is. Wow. Wow. That's sad. Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know if maybe we went to a parallel universe in the past couple of weeks where I've already done the third part. No, or if Liz has no. been time traveling. But yes, this is part three. Part three. Part three. Yep, you're right. But there will be a part four. Sorry to everybody who might be tired of this case. I was really into this case and I really wanted to do like good coverage of it. So I, you know, normally we cap out at what a part three, huh? Wow. Yeah, part three is the farthest we've ever taken it. Now we're taking it to part four. And taking it to the next, the next level. One. Y'all, when we get to, like, some of the high-profile guys and girls and serial killers and cases one of these days, we might end up with a five-parter one day. Oh, five-parter. 
That's my dream. Everybody, like, I can hear the collective groan of the audience. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> They're God. probably like, God damn it, I'm tired of listening to this goddamn case. Uh. <laughs> I don't know, but I found it really interesting. Um, so I know in the um, first part, we obviously covered the murders themselves and what was going on there. And in the second part, uh, and we also covered Jesse Miss Kelly's trial. Now, in the second part, we started covering, we finished covering Jesse's trial, I believe, and we started covering Damien and Jason Baldwin's trials. I don't know why I said Damien and Jason Baldwin. They're not both Baldwin people. They're not the Baldwin brothers. Uh, it's Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin and Jesse Miss Kelly, but we've already talked about Jesse Miss Kelly. So we started covering Jesus Christ. I'm having difficulties today. We started covering Jesus's trial here. Okay. <laughs> oh god did jesus get a trial yeah he did right okay yep sorry i couldn't find my fucking one note app for some reason i don't i'm having one note sounds so professional right <laughs> but can i also tell you i love the last name is it miss kelly like m-i-s-k-e-l-l-y mm-hmm. i love that last name <laughs> yeah it is a good last name i like um baldwin I don't because it's basic. That's Alec Baldwin. Everyone knows a Baldwin. Everyone knows a Baldwin. That's not incorrect. All right. Well, so um, like I said, we've been over Jeff- Jesse's trial and left off with some of some of the most sobering words of uh, of the trial from Damien Eccles, um, where he said when asked about how he felt about being charged, he said sometimes angry, sometimes sad, and sometimes scared. This week we're gonna finish discussing the trials as well as some ex- like external situations that may have contributed to the public view of these guys. Are you ready? I are you guys am. ready? Are you guys ready? I'm ready because I don't know anything about the ending of this case. Like, I heard about the boys and stuff, but I don't know how any of this, like, ended, and I'm really worried. I don't want you to tell me. Okay. I I won't ever tell you, so when when I get to the end of this case, I'll tell you to shut off all of your audio equipment. I'll just exit the Zoom meeting and finish recording it by myself. Oh, so you no. never have to know. No, I want to know, but I don't want to know now. Like, I oh, don't know yeah, I won't what, tell like, you now. I don't want to know, like, what happens to them after. Spoiler alert. They all die. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. I know it. Maybe they don't. Maybe they do. I won't spoil it for Liz. Anyways, at this point, the defense had begun trying to place doubt on the investigation, rightly so. It was a shitty fucking mm-hmm. investigation. Um, and the first thing they brought up was the fact that none of Damien's interviews were recorded, even though the West Memphis Police Department had the equipment to do so. Trash. Which, it, why not? And why would shady. you? Like, you're, I'm pretty sure confessions are supposed to be recorded. I thought. I mean, I could be wrong, but I thought. Um, I'm pretty sure they are as well. Yeah. I don't know. So they didn't record it. And Bless written. You. Did he write it? I don't think he. Uh, I don't think there was a. No. Well, you write a confession. You don't write your interview down. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, So Jesse might have well, written a but... confession. But remember, Damien didn't confess. It was Jesse who would Oh, confess. that's right. That's right. Yes. That's right. Uh, they also brought up the blood samples from the Bojangles incident that had been lost. And I don't know if we've touched on the Bojangles incident, have we? Uh, if we have, I don't remember, so why don't we recover it if we have already covered it? I don't think we have, and that's actually going to come up later in the next episode 
uh, of this little series. So we won't go too far into it, but there had been some blood samples taken from an incident that had occurred the day that the boys had gone missing. And apparently it had been lost. And a lot of people connected this incident to the murders. And like I said, I I promise uh, I'll get into it later. I'm trying to sell a story. And that's just uh, that wasn't a tangent I wanted to go on in this episode because it relates far next to the next episode. Far more next to the next episode. Now, they also attempted to shift suspicion onto other suspects, including John Mark Byers, who is Christopher Byers' stepfather. I think I remember reading or seeing in the movie um, that he had gone through like the full adoption process. So technically he was his father. Yeah. In in what is it? Intense and purposes. Yes. Ex- yes. Extensive purpose. Nope. Intense and purposes. So during filming of Paradise Lost, Mark bought By- John Mark Byers. I don't want to say Mark Byers because it sounds too close to like, I don't know. Anyways. I don't know what it sounds close to, but it just John Mark Byers. Anyways, the Byers father actually gave the HBO crew a knife and they did the smart thing and turned it over to law enforcement so that it could be tested for like any sort of evidence. I'm sorry. He just like gave them a knife. I I don't know what his deal was. We're going to talk about we're we're going to talk about John Mark Byers. Don't worry. We're going to talk about him a lot in this episode and the next episode. Okay. Like I said, they turned it over and he ended up being questioned as to why there was blood on the knife and gave conflicting answers between interviews with police and on the stand during the trial. Like one time his answer would be like, oh, well, I cut myself. And the other time would be like, oh, no, there's no way this knife has never been used to cut anything, you know. So it was just really weird. It was a whole weird situation. And then Christopher Morgan was brought up since he did tell investigators that he may have killed the boys during a blackout. And I don't know if you remember, there were two other suspects that had gone to California right after yes. the boys had been found. And he was one of them. Mm-hmm. He was on drugs and and had a lot of drug-related blackouts. So, But he, he did later recant his statement. And he wasn't made to testify due to the Fifth Amendment rights. Because you, I think the Fifth Amendment is like, I'm not going to say anything that's going to incriminate myself under oath yeah so unlike damien who we've already talked about as being a real idiot in this like it like during the trial and like the investigation he was just really cocky and like he wouldn't shut the fuck up and unlike damien jason did not take the stand and their goal was to basically lay low and let Eccles be centralized which was a smart choice to be honest because you know it's like that it's like that one lawyer like the the pot lawyer i think he's called and he's always just like shut the fuck up just shut the fuck up shut the fuck up (laughs) look up shut the fuck up fridays that guy is hilarious anyways shut the fuck up fridays yeah look up shut the fuck up fridays he's got a whole tiktok but like his verse video that he ever did was fucking hilarious i'm as i'm sure you can guess uh there were a ton of eyes on this trial it spawned from three eight-year-olds lives being taken in an absolute horrific manner so, like, there was a lot of coverage. And we also oh, yeah. Are, like, yeah. And we also already know that there was a documentary crew following those involved and their family. Which is so weird. But I know. People like what they like. Can you imagine going well, through that? Well, it's not even just, like, oh, God, no. But, like, it's not even just that. Like, how did they, like... Like, I mean, yeah, it was, like, a big trial. But they were covering it from, like, the very beginning. It's, like, I don't know. It's just weird. The news crew did it. Oh, God. Paradise Lost is a very, very raw documentary. The interviews with Byers, Moore, and Branch's parents are ridiculously sad in some aspects. And 
sometimes they're really intense. In one scene, there's like, like these families obviously were hurt and their anger, not in one scene, but like in many scenes, they, their anger ended up being really directed at the West Memphis Three, which you can't, you can't blame them for in a sense. You really can't. I mean, at that point, they're just trusting people to to find who did it. And I mean, it's not their fault that the police force is not always quality. Right. And there was now I will say there's really one really, really sad scene. The buyer's parents were actually celebrating Christmas at their baby's gravesite. And they put like a little Christmas tree up and they like had like a, you know, they like sat down next to his grave and celebrated Christmas with their son. Like, it's just, that's just an example of, like, how, how sad and intense and, and, and like, how, how high the emotions were. Yeah, that's very sad. Now, here's um, a few other examples of interviews with the camera crew and the media. This one, there was an interview with Chris Byer's mom, and she, she was quoted saying, I hate these three and the mothers that bore them. Her interviews were a lot, like a whole lot. And maybe it's because it's like, you know, we're looking at this after the fact and hindsight is always twenty twenty. But like, like she's a lot. And I'm not saying I wouldn't be the same way in the same situation. I don't want to make that assumption. Obviously, can't even imagine. But like, again, a whole lot. Like this woman, if you watch, go watch the documentary because... They paint her, they paint a lot of these people out to be a little on the like unhinged side. So uh, John Mark Byers had quite a few of these interesting interviews. This man was, he was an interesting man. So in one of them, he was at the scene of like the crime and he was doing an interview and it sounded, I'm not trying to be funny. It sounded like he was doing slam poetry. (laughs) I... I didn't know how else he's to a poet des- and he didn't know it. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't know how else to describe it other than it sounded like he was doing slam poetry. I don't know if he had written it or if it was like from a song or poem he had read. I don't know. But like, it was just really strange. And then in another scene, there's John Mark Byers and he's singing a beautiful hymn. In front of, like, a whole Mm -hmm. church full of people, which is, like, a stark contrast. Well, I mean, it really wasn't a stark contrast because that one wasn't, like, like, okay, he's an emotional guy and he's trying to let it out through, you know, some sort of, like, artistic measure. Yeah. But in this one, so, like, he goes from singing this beautiful hymn and da-da-da-da, and then the very next scene, like, it transitions and it's him with, I think it was, like, I don't think it was Stevie Branch's dad. I think it was Moore's dad, Michael Moore. They were at like, they were out like a dirt road and they had guns and they were like loading them up and shooting. And they were just like talking about imagining scenarios of killing the West Memphis Three, of killing Damien, Jesse and Jason. Like even going as far as to discuss like the range that they had in the courtroom and like how the ballistics on their guns couldn't be traced. And I don't know. It. I mean, so taking it, I was going to say, like, imagining that I feel like is not that weird. Having your kid murdered and then wanting to kill the murderer is not that weird of a scenario. Yeah. And I I feel like a lot of parents do that. But to take it to that far of detail makes it sound like they're planning it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and like, again, I know we're looking at it from the future and we see like what we see now and like all the evidence that we've learned throughout the case. And, you know, it's easy to feel kind of bad for the accused because if they really didn't do it, like, 
these are still teen kids. Yeah. You know, and you're talking about hating their parents for, for creating them and, you know, talking about the range it would take to shoot them in the courtroom after going to church. Yeah. I'm praising about, like, you know, damnation and forgiveness and the fiery pits of hell. I don't know. It's just a lot of weird. It's just a whole lot of weird. Yeah. Like I said, I understand, like, even from their point of view, like you said, because we're seeing this from the future, I understand them hating them and hating that they were born and blah, 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 and, and releasing steam by imagining killing them. Right. I get that. But they seem to be plotting. They also did it in front shady. of a camera crew, and that's weird to me, too. I don't think I would put on a show like that in front of, like, I might become, look, okay, all right. Again, I can't say what I would do in this situation. I have never and probably will never be in this situation. However, I'm not going to have a meltdown for the world to see. Yeah. Nah. Like, I don't want to have a meltdown for the entire for the entire world to see. I don't know. But I will say the court, was, the courthouse was extremely worried about, like, security because of the high emotions of this case. Part of the documentary actually did show, like, the courthouse like coordinating how they would get into the ca- like into the into the courtroom safely and i think it's pretty common in a lot of like high profile emotional cases like this but like still let's remember that these are still teenagers it's just it's teen boys yeah but nobody was saying boys will be boys that day no but you think about <laughs> I it like can, i can't even get into a conversation about that that is like one of my biggest fucking pet peeves I'll go on a full fucking tangent. It's interesting how <laughs> boys right. will be boys only applies when it's like girls and women. That's a discussion for a whole nother day too. Goddamn. Yes, it is. Now, uh, by the end of the trial, Damien and Jason were both found guilty of three counts of capital murder each. Uh, Jason received life without the possibility of parole and Damien received the death penalty. Are you serious? Yes. So I'm, I, I think the reasoning behind Jason only receiving life without parole instead of the death penalty was because he, him and Jesse were always kind of seen as guilty by association more so okay. than Damien, who was kind of seen as like the ringleader for some reason. Maybe it was because he was the most goth out of everybody. I don't know. Well, wasn't he? He was the oldest too. Huh? He was the oldest and he had a history of uh, mental health problems that had landed him previously in mental health institutes and things like that. So maybe that's why it was. But yeah, he received the full on death fucking penalty. Okay. And normally this is where a case would end, right? Normally, yes. They go to jail, they they die, they do the thing. Yes, the suspects have been convicted and the parents and the police department considered the case closed and justice had been served. But obviously, I think we all know that this isn't that type of case, so we're just going to keep going here. Keep it rolling. We're going to keep her rolling. A rolling stone gathers no moss. I was about to say moths. It also doesn't collect moths. No. After the convictions, all three of the West Memphis Boys lawyers filed for appeals. But unfortunately, all of their convictions were upheld. There was no way Judge Burnett was going to, like, overturn any of that or or do it. Like, he was like, no, this is it. This is what you get. I have a question real quick. Okay. What did the boys, like, the, the three boys 
like parents think. I on so it seemed like all of them. I don't remember. Yeah, it seemed like all of them were pretty like supportive of their kids. And they, but but I will say like I I remember in I, I do remember in one interview with one of their parents they were basically like I mean if he's guilty then he needs to repent for what he's done and he needs to serve his time but if he's not guilty then he should you know so like th- honestly their parents seemed really like level about it if that makes any sense there was like like Damien's family seemed nice very nice people but obviously I'm sure they were all upset at the three their three kids convictions you know that can't be easy especially when you believe yeah. your kid you're Damien was home the fucking night of the murders. Like, can you imagine how poor, yeah. like, how badly his mother felt that she, like, testified in everything and she, like, her word couldn't even help her son? God, I couldn't even fucking imagine. Yeah. Ugh, that's terrible. They weren't able to get their convictions overturned. They weren't able to get, like, retrials at the time or whatever you get for all those things, like, appeals and things like that. Um, As it, like, when I was doing the research, it really occurred to me, I wonder how badly, how bad their time in prison ended up being. Oh, probably awful. Like, yeah, when you think about it, like, you know how child abusers get treated in prison. They, like, at least, at least Damien would have had to spend a lot of time in isolation, I, I would feel. Yes. Agreed. If they even allowed him that. Yeah. Well, they usually, I'm pretty sure they usually will when it's something like, like when a prisoner's life is literally in danger, I'm pretty sure they will put them in isolation for their own safety. If, I mean, they have a decent guard. Depending. Yeah. Because I know there's a lot of stories where they're just like, oh, sorry, we didn't know what was happening. Yeah, that's true. But they were also really young at this point, too. It's not like they were... 40 year old dudes diddling kids so I don't know it just was a thought that occurred to me that I never really like I I didn't come across anything when I was doing my research that like indicated like what their time in prison was like but it was just something I was like (laughs) I thought about at one point or another in 1966, the HBO documentary that has been kind of central to this case, um, Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills, was released, and it really got the ball rolling on the movement to free Jesse, Jason, and Damien. Um, it also ended up resulting in Damien Eccles' marriage to a woman named Lori Davis, who began writing to him after seeing the movie and, like, all this. They they were married in December of 1999. Okay. And uh, I guess I'm, it was I'm a sorry. ceremony. This, that's, that's what's weird to me is that people get married whilst in prison. Oh, yeah. Ted Bundy got married while he was in prison. I know. It's I, it's such a common thing, and it is so weird to me. I think he got a lady pregnant while he was in prison, too. Did. He sent... Was it him? He sent his sperm in something? Oh, I don't... I don't know. I don't... I mean... There was... I don't know if this is a real life story, if it was a criminal minds, but... I, I a feel guy like sent you're talking sperm. about a Criminal Minds episode. Probably. Well, regardless, um, <laughs> one thing I did continually uh, notice about the case, and it's kind of sad, but like all of the efforts were really focused on freeing these guys, which obviously is excellent since they were all like by all accounts innocent. But like there was there was there was so little concern for like like actually catching who was responsible for Stevie, Chris's, and Michael's deaths. That's kind of like, I mean, like you said, appreciate them trying to get those kids out, but I feel like the fastest way to do that would have been to find the actual people. Yeah, and like, don't get me, again, like, don't get me wrong, like, the other suspects were brought up, but it just kind of felt like they were being brought up as a way of saying, hey, these guys didn't do it. Like, as a way of, like, creating doubt. 
Because, you know, when you convict, it's supposed to be convicted, like, against all reasonable doubt, you know? So Mm -hmm. they were, at that point, it was just their way of, like, like, creating doubt. And, like, even my coverage of the case, I mean, like, I'll be honest, like, even my coverage of the case is less about the murders and who did it and more about like the miscarriage of justice and it just i don't know like it, it kind of like bummed me out that like they shouldn't have been accused in the first place or i mean maybe like not accused but like they shouldn't have been imprisoned for it in the first place especially once it was once it went up against a fucking jury and yeah had, had they not wasted all of this time for a co- like for a conviction and closed out a case that shouldn't have been closed like we could have caught the murderer or murderers we don't know but I'm not sure, like, how much twisting the documentary crew did with the footage, too, but, like, they they painted West Memphis as, like, a super rednecky kind of town full of, like, irrational people who believed in Satan worship and, and ritual, you know what I mean? Like, the, and mm-hmm. especially Stevie, Michael, and Chris's parents. Like, Mark Byers is a prime example of that. They made that motherfucker look absolutely insane. They made some of these parents just look like fucking crazy people. <laughs> I don't know. They're crazy. Yeah, they made them. They made them look like crazy people. I don't know how much of that was. I mean, and granted, if you're willing to act that, like, I don't know. Like, maybe you are crazy or have like a couple screws loose if you're if you're like publicly willing to be like seen like that. I don't know, but they made these people look fucking nutty. Now, in two in the year two thousand, HBO released a second documentary, and this one was named Paradise Lost Two Revelations. And I did start watching it, like, when I was, like, right after I watched the first one when I first started doing the research. But I ended up falling asleep halfway through and I never got it back on. Like, at that point, the... I find that, like, for my research purposes, documentaries are okay and I'll put one on in the background. But most of my information is a lot easier to come through and, like, to get more of online. So I ended up falling asleep to that one. But that film followed the efforts of a support group that felt that the West Memphis Three were innocent. And it also highly suggests that John Mark Byers was actually the perpetrator. And we're going to talk about that a lot, like, just like Bojangles in the, uh, like, next episode. Um, And I'm sure everybody's really fucking tired of hearing that. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to weave a story <laughs> i'm just trying to still tell a story okay yeah i'm just i'm trying my i'm doing my best so through all of this uh the guy's lawyers were filing for appeals especially Eccles's, since he was on death row like they they were working hard trying to get these guys free and two years after the second paradise lost film released there's a book called Devil's Knot, The True Story of the Westminster Three that came out. This book is by Mara Leverett, and it offered a really in-depth look into how the case was mishandled. And then just a year out of that, more, or a year, excuse me, what? Hello? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I'm having a time here, Liz. I can tell. Yeah, thank you. And then just a year later, more strings started to unravel when Vicki Hutchinson... I know everybody remembers her name because she was that crazy lady. With the sun. Yes. She came out and said that all of the information that she testified to was false. (gasps) And that the only reason she lied was because she was scared her son would get taken away. What? Yeah, I'm sorry, but like, I smell the smell of bullshit. (laughs) Here, like, I feel like she was just trying not to let herself look like a shitty person that got caught up in a witch hunt. 
Um, yeah, because there's literally no, like, premise for having her son taken if she told the truth. And she offered. She was like, oh, I got this. Like, uh, according to, yeah, like, like, according to my sources, like, it just made it out like she had offered, like, put up her services for this in the first place. Like, what? She in- included so, bro, herself. I got you. Yeah, like, she included herself in this. Like, I don't know, man. Things did start to get really good for Damien, Jesse, and Jason in 2007. Apparently, there was a human hair that was knotted into one of the shoelaces used to tie the boys. And upon retesting it, it didn't match any of the West Memphis Three. Excuse me while I gasp, unsurprised. <gasps> yeah. Labs did determine that it was not inconsistent with Terry Hobbs, who was Stevie Branch's stepfather. I'm sorry, with who? Um, His name's, uh, we haven't talked about him a lot, but Terry Hobbs. He was Stevie Branch's stepfather. He's one of the victim's stepfathers. Oh. Mm-hmm. So in a crazy turn of events, though, here, like at this point, John Mark Byers actually ended up telling the media that he no longer believed that the West Memphis Three committed the crime. Oh. Right. It's weird, right? Like the how the how the turn tables. So there was also suspicions that the jury foreman in Damien and Jason's case ended up talking to an attorney Now, the source that I read this from didn't say whether it was one of the lawyers, like, that was actually involved in the case or if it was just, like, an attorney. Mm -hmm. But after that conversation, he ended up pushing the jury, like, for a conviction. Wow. Yeah. This is getting to be, like, it was drama before, but now it's, like, drama. There's drama afoot. Now, in a not-so-crazy turn of events, however, Judge Burnett, of good old Judge Burnett, He would not allow these new, like, the new information coming to light to, like, affect his opinion on doing another trial. Oh, yeah, because he was right the first time and he's not going to back down from that. Yeah, like, I feel like that's what that, that, like, all that is. Now, the good thing, though, is that in 2010, the Supreme Court decided that given all of the talk of DNA evidence, misconduct, and mishandling, Jason, Damien, and Jesse deserved another trial. And I I bet the prosecutor's buttholes got real tight real quick. Oh, fuck yeah. They're puckering. Oh, yeah. But on the same note, though... Like, they weren't going to back down and drop the charges. Like, they they wouldn't, they were not going to be fucking dropping the charges. But they were going to have to scramble because this is, like, you know, this happened so long ago. This happened in 93. It's 2010 now. Things are different. Things are real different, Much different. in 2010. Now, it's be- a whole nother world now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, a whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. You just gave um, Aladdin a very uh, Burton theme. Uh, Thank you. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I I don't know what you're trying to say, but I'll take it. (laughs) Now, before the determination of a new trial was actually made and like they were like in the process of it, but before that determination was actually like ready to go, Jason, Jesse and Damien were offered a plea deal on August 19th of 2011. Eccles' defense attorney, Stephen Braga, proposed and this is a new defense attorney i think he had proposed the alford plea and according to all the sources i kind of read through i ended up like on a couple of like lawyer websites this is like a super rare plea deal and okay i don't know like how i don't know i i don't know maybe it was the circumstances included in the case 
But, like, if everybody could just use this plea deal, then, like, why is anybody in jail? But the, so the, what basically what the Alfred plea deal is that it, what it means for the West Memphis Three is that they would plead guilty because the prosecution had, did have evidence against them, even though it's circumstantial, but they would still retain, like, they would plead guilty while still saying, but I'm innocent. Like, I'm not guilty. Like, I understand that you can prove that I'm guilty, but I'm not admitting to the fact that I did it. Yes, I will plead guilty, but I I am innocent. Real weird. I don't know. But this would allow the convicted men to walk free. And it ended up being a compromise that both sides could agree on to a degree. Like prosecution, the prosecution can say that they won, which woo, big deal. And Eccles, Baldwin and Miss Kelly would actually get to live their lives outside of jail, prison. Mm -hmm. Now the big catch here was that it had to be all or nothing. So all three of the guys had to enter the plea. And Eccles was on death row, so the choice was pretty much a no-brainer for him. You know, what did it matter if he was found guilty, you know, as long as he was able to live his life without the imminent threat of death being held over his head, right? You know. Now, on the other hand, though, and and I think Jesse was pretty, like, easy to get, like, to do the plea deal as well. He was probably like, I don't want to be in prison anymore. Yes. But... On the other hand, Jason wasn't sure he was ready to make that decision. At the time, not only was he very, very firm on the idea of wanting his name cleared uh, for the crime he didn't commit, but, like, he had also adjusted really well to living in prison. So, like, at that point, he got to work, he was on track to start school in prison, and he had a good relationship with the guards. So it was kind of like, well, like, if I can't be let go, can't be set free because they realize that I'm not fucking guilty, then uh, I'm cool staying here. Yeah. But in the end, he did end up taking the deal, and he was quoted as saying, I didn't take the deal for me, I took it for Damien. Which, I mean, that was kind I mean, of yeah. selfless. Yeah, like, you know... He's keeping this guy from literally getting mur- like murdered for murdering somebody. So on August 19th, 2011, Jesse Miss Kelly, Jason Baldwin, and Damian Eccles had a hearing. They entered their pleas and they were released. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So these guys are all now free. Um, since their release, Jason moved to Texas and co-founded um, Proclaim Justice. I don't know if it's like a program or like, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it helps people who have been wrongfully convicted, which is, I Good think it's a really great thing to do. Jesse seems to be living a pretty blue collar life. I guess he did get like arrested uh, for like some traffic violations, but he wasn't like going to prison over it or anything. And last it was yeah. reported he was doing construction. And then Damien, though, he actually did receive a little bit of notoriety i knew about damian eccles before like i started doing the research for this case because he is on an episode of one of my favorite shows the midnight gospel 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 oh Anyways. shit yeah he uh so in one episode the main character goes into a planet that is like has like cats and a magical sea fish man thing I don't know how to describe it, but anyways. Oh, shit. That's him? Yeah, that's Damien Eccles. Um, and it was from an episode of his podcast, which if you really enjoy a good podcast, um, Duncan Trussell's Family Hour is amazing. He talks about a lot of really cool shit in his podcast. And in one episode of his podcast that he used for the show, he interviewed Damien Eccles. And Eccles is... His most of his notoriety is for the pla- uh, the fact that he practices uh, high ritual magic. So like it's not the same as just like I don't know how to describe it, especially to people who don't kind of follow that kind of stuff. But it's it's like Aleister Crowley level shit to a degree. 
not that I know a ton about Crowley because he wasn't, he's not my dude or whatever, but it, it's very like, it's a different kind. It's not like paganism. It's, it's a lot different than paganism. But yeah, he, he has a YouTube channel and he's like been in interviews and shit. But so he, he did achieve an, a bit of notoriety. That's, that's where we're going to wrap up this, this episode of the case. Uh, the guys got free after their mishandled trials and were able to live you know, solid lives. They're all three of them are still alive at this point. And in the next episode, I I really want to talk about the all important question of who who actually committed the murders of of the three. Boys. I was gonna say, but since they pled guilty, it means the case is still closed, and they're not gonna investigate any further. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about all of that in the next episode, and just kind of see like, okay, well, if they didn't do it, who did it? Well, okay. But we can rest. Well, I'm glad they didn't die. Yes, we can rest our heads easy at night that people who didn't commit the murder were not imprisoned for the rest of their lives over it. Although they did lose like fucking two decades, which kind of sucks. But they didn't die. Ah, they did not die. Well, thank you for a wonderful case on that. Uh, That is definitely an ending that I was happy to hear about. So appreciate that for once. Yeah. If the next episode doesn't have, like, people... I think I'm still not satisfied because, like I said, since people have already been convicted, they can't convict somebody else for it, though. So that means the people who actually did it don't mm-hmm. come to justice. Yep. That is exactly So that's what not very satisfying. The justice system of the, the world is uh, great and infallible. The justice system of the United States, family and friends. Um, so yeah, that's what I've got for you for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, and I hope you're ready to help figure out who did this in the next one. Yep. I'm ready to put my, my detective glasses on. Me too. Well, uh, in that note, because we're so bad at transitioning, if you enjoyed this episode, go listen to other episodes. We are on all of your major listening, streaming services uh you can follow us on our socials which we are terrible at using but hey why not follow us just in case they're important updates we are at the tsif podcast on everything we are on facebook instagram and twitter so i guess that's not everything but that's most things the important ones at least the we have our ones. yeah we have our gmail which is uh the tsif podcast at gmail.com send us an email with some interesting tidbits that you'd like to talk about and maybe maybe if you send us some stories we can read them and we, of course, also have <clears throat> our website, which is the TSIF site forward slash the TSIF podcast. Yep, we have that. We have our big cartel shop. You can buy some stickers. Uh, we got some cool ones in there for you to go look at. You can actually find the link to that on our website. But if you go to shopbigcartel.com slash the TSIF podcast, we are there. And then, of course, if you'd like to join our Patreon, feel free. We've got a couple different tiers and we've got... We, we try to put out fun stuff. We try. We're not perfect. I think we have some we fun stuff. If you just want to support the show, you know, show some love and all those. Show us, show us some green love. Yes. Yes. But yeah, so thank you guys for listening. And also, we didn't get to, because we're really bad at dates and realizing when episodes come out. Have we done our listeners th- or our Patreon thank yous for the lat for the month of june we did it for june but we haven't done it for july yet okay well then we'll do it at the end of july okay i was really worried that we forgot to do it for june i'm pretty sure we already did it for june we did it on like the second week of june oh yeah when we got our new microphone 
Yep. Holders. Well, I don't care. I'm going to do it again. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. I wasn't sure if you were going to do everybody. No. Thank you, Bree. Thank you, Bree. And thank you, Tiff. We appreciate all of you. Thanks, Tiff. We love, we love you. you guys. And uh, we appreciate you guys hanging in there with us and being so supportive. It really does mean the world. And we love you. Love you. Mm. You ready to play a game? Yeah. What are we playing this week? Well, I already pulled up Would You Rather questions, so oh. we're going to play Would You Rather. Okay. I'm not prepared to answer those, but. Ooh, I have a good one for you. Okay. Would you rather give up air conditioning for the rest of your life or internet for the rest of your life air conditioning hmm. it's not a hard answer air conditioning i i i don't need air conditioning year-round and does that count like like i can get a box fan to get air moving i mean yeah so yeah i, I need I just know how sweaty you get yeah no i i'm getting used to it i work outside so fair <laughs> yeah would you rather have unlimited gas for your car for the rest of your life or own a house? Own a house. Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. 100%. Wait, do I get to pick where the house is at or am I just given a random house? You know what? It doesn't fucking matter. I'd rather own a house. No, you don't get to pick where the house is at. It could be very, very far away. Farther away than it is currently from your very best friend. It doesn't matter because then I could just rent that shit out. It doesn't mean I have to live there. Have an extra income. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We love you. Bye, you. Bye. Bye.